0: Hello, and welcome to the HR Insights podcast with me, Caroline Rochford. I'm launching this new podcast with a series focusing on the issues arising from the current COVID 19 pandemic. More specifically, I want to help you, my listeners, with all the myriad of HR considerations when thinking and planning for restarting your business. Hello and welcome to the HR Insights podcast with me, Caroline Rochford. In this podcast, we're going to be thinking about the flexible furlough scheme and the considerations for business recovery and reopening the workplace. Specifically, I will be answering the following questions. What do you need to know about the changes to the furlough scheme and in particular the details around staff being brought back part-time? What do you need to start thinking about and what records do you need to keep? And secondly, what health and safety measures do you need to take in order to ensure the workplace is sufficiently safe? How are you going to consult with employees about a safe return to work? As how are you going to make the workplace as safe as possible? Later in this episode, I will be joined by a health and safety specialist to help us answer these questions. Firstly then, I'm going to talk about the Coronavirus Job Retention Scheme, or furlough, as it has become more commonly called, and specifically focus on the changes recently introduced and what businesses will need to do now in order to plan for the future. Before this pandemic, the term furlough was hardly used in the UK, and now it's being bandied about and will surely see an entry into the Oxford Dictionary for 2020. The furlough scheme was introduced by the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, in response to the coronavirus pandemic in a bid to save jobs. The government agreed to pay 80% of wages, up to a maximum amount of £2,500 as part of the scheme, and it has already been extended firstly to the end of June, and then secondly and more recently to the end of October, when we are firmly told it will end. The furlough scheme has covered 8.7 million workers to date and costs approximately £14 billion pounds per month. The changes being introduced will see a sliding scale of government cutting back the amount they are subsidising towards staff costs and employers increasingly expected to pay a higher contribution until the end of October. The scheme will close for new entrants from the 30th of June. The deadline for adding a member of staff to the furlough scheme was the 10th of June. The only exemption to this is for staff returning from family-related leave. They will still be eligible to the furlough scheme, even if they weren't placed on furlough before the 10th of June cut-off date. By way of recap, the phasing is as follows. In June and July, the government will continue to pay 80% of fully furloughed employees' salaries, plus their national insurance and pension contributions. Employers are not required to pay anything unless they voluntarily agree to supplement furlough pay or the employees return to work part-time in July. In August, the government will continue to pay 80% of furloughed employees' salaries, up to a cap of £2,500 per month. Employers will now have to pay national insurance and pension contributions regardless of whether employees are working part-time or not employers will also pay for any part-time hours worked. In September, the government will continue to pay 70% of furloughed employees' salaries, up to a cap of £2,187.50 per month. Employers will also pay national insurance and pension contributions and 10% of wages to make up 80% of the total, up to a cap of £2,500 per month. Employers will also pay for any part-time hours worked. In October, the government will continue to pay 60% of furloughed employees' salaries, up to a cap of £1,875 per month. Employers will also pay national insurance and pension contributions and 20% of wages to make up to the 80% of the total up to a cap of £2,500 per month. And employers will also pay for any part-time hours worked. The flexible furlough guidance was published by HMRC on Friday the 12th of June and it's complex. Here are the main headlines of the scheme. Under the new scheme, previously furloughed staff will be able to return to work either at home or in the workplace, working some of the week, and be furloughed for the remainder. There will need to be a written agreement between employer and employee for any part-time hours worked, and employers will still be able to claim the furlough grant for the hours not worked. By way of example, if someone returns to work for three days and is on furlough for two days, then the employer can claim the grant for the two days when the employee is not working. The minimum claim period will be one week, it is currently three consecutive weeks. The maximum number of claims per month is four. And there is a cap on the number of claims an employer can make, limited by the maximum number of claims made in any single instance between March and June. Employers need to start thinking ahead and planning for their workplaces to gradually reopen, given that they can agree working arrangements with staff to return from the 1st of July. Many staff are going to be concerned and anxious about being in the workplace or travelling there, and they're going to need a lot of reassurance, and this needs to be at the heart of any decisions and plans that employers are making in readiness. In terms of record keeping, there are a number of actions to take. Firstly, check your furlough letters now that the timescale has changed. Did your original letters link furlough to the original scheme? If so, you will need to write to staff to seek their agreement to continue being furloughed. Check the end date and check the percentage salary payment. If these are incorrect, you will need to write to staff again. So make sure all your furlough letters are accurate, regardless of when the member of staff was placed on furlough. It's important that any agreement between employer and member of staff regarding their return to work is mutually agreed and followed up in writing. It's sensible to do this for both flexible furlough and part-time return, or even a full return to work from furlough. If you're asking someone to return to work fully from furlough, Firstly, you will need to give them reasonable notice. You'll need to think about their personal circumstances because some staff are going to need more notice than others due to perhaps childcare or homeschooling issues, particularly as they might need to make arrangements for childcare or other dependents' care. This notice does not need to be in writing. Employers will need to ensure that they inform their payroll staff or provider that furlough has ended or that an employee has returned to work part-time so that they can make the correct payments and claim the correct amount of grant. Turning now to preparing for workers to return to the workplace. The CIPD, the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development, have helpfully given businesses three essential tests to meet before bringing people back to the workplace. And I'm going to use that framework in this podcast. The tests are, one, Is it essential that people return to the place of work? Two, is it sufficiently safe? And three, is it mutually agreed? I will cover these in more detail in this series. Today, I'm going to consider the health and safety matters relating to a gradual return to work, as well as the government guidelines to provide a COVID-19 safe workplace. Not only is this a health and safety issue, it is highly emotive too. We all know that employers have a responsibility to ensure the health, safety and well-being for their employees and this also extends to all staff, workers, apprentices, agency workers, contractors, visitors, the public and customers. The breach of health and safety is a criminal matter and at worst can lead to unlimited fines not to mention the reputational damage it brings to an organisation. Coronavirus safety measures need to address the ways in which coronavirus can spread, which is either by being in close proximity to an infected individual, particularly through coughing and sneezing, or contact with contaminated surfaces. Employers need to manage this risk in the workplace, and today I'm going to touch on some of the issues you need to think about. And in podcast number three in this series, I'm going to focus much more on the practicalities when reopening your workplace, as well as the behavioural considerations of encouraging staff to stick to the new rules. Firstly, I recommend you using the government's COVID-19 Safe Workplace Guidance to help you work towards making the workplace sufficiently safe. There are different guidance documents for England, Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland. Secondly, I recommend you complete a COVID-19 risk assessment and document your findings outlining all the risks you've identified and how you will reduce or remove these risks. This isn't about creating huge amounts of paperwork, but rather it's about identifying sensible measures to control the risks in your workplace. If you have less than five workers, you don't have to write this down. The Health and Safety Executive has guidance for businesses on how to manage risk and risk assessment at work, along with specific advice to working safely during the coronavirus outbreak. This will be an important document for you to consult with your staff about and to involve them so that when they return to work, you can share your findings and reassure them that you are doing all that you can to ensure their health, safety and well-being on their return to work. The risk assessment will also help you to identify any gradual return to work in order to safeguard staff. It might be, for example, that you are not able to provide any additional car parking spaces for staff, and therefore, rather than putting pressure on public transport, that you're restricted with those returning to work to those who can walk, cycle or drive to work leaving those who use public transport to a later date. Perhaps you might decide to gradually phase people's return or introduce a phased start and finish times. There are many factors to consider, all of which need to be discussed with your staff. By adopting a phased return to work of your staff, it gives you an opportunity to test the health and safety measures that you're putting in place to ensure that they will work with larger numbers before encouraging more people to return to the workplace. Use the risk assessment to discuss with your staff their return to work, and if they are concerned about their return, explore alternative options with them, including them remaining on furlough. They need to feel reassured and comforted that their physical and mental health is at the forefront of your planning. Remember, is their role essential Is it safe for them to return to work? And is their return mutually agreed? At the most basic level, all workplaces need to observe the government's social distancing guidance. And at the time of this recording, these are different across the UK. Staff who can work from home are expected to carry on doing so in phases one to three of the roadmaps. If you recognise trade unions, and or if you have a health and safety group, use them to help review the measures you're proposing to adopt. Keep them under review. By involving staff, they will feel encouraged that you are wanting to hear their feedback and they will identify things that you probably won't have thought of. All key measures will continue to apply to minimise the spread of infection, including regular and effective hand washing, the provision of hand sanitizer. If your premises has been closed for a while, you should consider carrying out a deep clean before reopening. And depending on your work environment, you may need to consider providing additional personal protective equipment, PPE, including gloves, masks, and hand gel. This may also involve training and briefing staff on their correct use. And I will cover all of this in the next two episodes. Today I'm joined by Clark Bowles, Managing Director of CBO Associates, Specialist in Health and Safety. Welcome Clark. Hi Caroline, glad to be asked. It's great to have you, thank you. And Clark, before we get into the questions, I know that there's something that you would personally like to share with our listeners.
1: Yes there is. I mean I've actually found during the COVID-19 that it's not just I this that need to adapt. I've had to adapt as well. Now I had a very severe impediment and I was young. And it's always there when I get stressed or if there's something that I'm unsure about. So I've had to change. I've had to adapt as well by looking at Zoom, using new forms of ways of communicating and that's why yeah. I agree to do this podcast, it will probably be my first and we ever podcast, but <laughs> it's, it's actually to get people who shouldn't be afraid to step out of their comfort zone. And, mm. and I know that during this in kind a of podcast, I'll not be as fluid as what I would normally be if I'm close to close, but people shouldn't be scared to actually be who they are. And mm. I think that it's, it's been a big learning curve for me and I'm not afraid to put myself out there because I know that people don't just me by my students, time, and people just me by what I can do for them in regard to supporting them for health and safety <laughs> or any other other support, services that mm. we offer. So thank you for giving me the opportunity here, Caroline.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that, Clark. I think that's that's really valuable for a lot of people. Thank you. Um, Clark, it would be really helpful if you could give the listeners some particular things to think about as part of the COVID-19 risk assessment, which is something that I've just been telling them all about.
1: Yeah, not a problem at all. Uh, as we emerge from the lockdown, COVID-19 is here to stay. And we need to manage it like any other risk within our business. Now, the most important thing is to continue to follow the government's social distancing guidance in relation to your business. Now, I'm actually just about to give you a few aspects and Areas where you would like to consider when you're looking to put a COVID-19 risk assessment together. Now, it's important to okay. put a plan in place to monitor and support employees' physical and emotional well-being. Now, that's that's if they're at work or at home. It's also important as well, before you commence any any workplace office, regulations it's necessary to have all your ppe and your cleaning products and that's including soap and water and hand sanitizer in place and that must be available to Mm -hmm. every operator Uh, it's also important to ensure that all people attending the premises are made aware of any additional new rules such as changes to the instruction process any extra hand washing cleaning stations that are in place there may also be changes to your fire evacuation procedures and your first aid measures as well and you may also like to change the direction of travel within your workplace Uh, do not share any pens any food any crockery. You may want to revise Mm -hmm. your changes, your break times to reduce congestion and contact at all times. It's also important to arrangements must be in place to arrange for transportation of anyone from site who falls unwell. Only non essential as will not be allowed on site, you may want to consider enhanced cleaning measures around welfare facilities as well. You may want to hold meetings outside or in a well-ventilated room, or as or as I have been doing, I've been making use of Zoom a lot these days. Uh, we want to identify mm-hmm. employees who are at risk of family members that need to be shielded. More importantly as well, when you're actually con- conducting the risk assessment, it must be done in terms of with your employees. You want to share the mm-hmm. results of your risk assessment with the rest of your employees. Now, if you've got over 50 employees, the government is encouraging you to display your risk assessment on your website as well. Now, if you are considering hand sanitizer, I suggest that it, it can either follow into EN 1500 or EN 1276 standard. You get alcohol free hand sanitizer, which is non flammable and non toxic. But if you are going to get hand sanitizer with alcohol, make sure that it's got at least 60% content. It's also important to make sure that you've got a safety data sheet and, of course, assistant report to go along with that. And I'll just leave you with one last thought. PPE. The mm-hmm. HSC, I should, a safety alert around face masks of KN95. If they've not got a CE marking, do not use them as they're not fast as any of control measure in the workplace. That's
0: that's really helpful, uh Clark, because that's obviously up to date information for people in particularly in terms of the PPE and knowing about uh, the markings and the the, the standards that are um, that have, have recently been issued. Thank you for that. What about travelling to work? Are there any particular things that staff should be informed about or be aware of? Yeah, I think that's actually
1: a very important issue to address. I think the number one uh, option is that we should consider remote options first. You don't want non-essential travel still needs to be put in place. It's important that people stay at home when they can still do the job or adding value. Mm. Also as mm-hmm. well, if you're traveling with public transport, wear a face covering and carry your own bottle of hand sanitizer as well. It's very important. Employees are also encouraged to use their own private transport to get to work where possible. But as I've actually seen myself as well, instead of using the car, I've been cycling to a few months and I've actually quite enjoyed that as well. Where you are actually sharing a, a, a car or a van with other operators, it's very important that you clean the inside of that vehicle on, on a regular basis. I would even go a step further. I would say if you're actually sharing a vehicle, it's important to wear a mask because if you sneeze, if you actually have a mask on, that will actually contain it. There's only so much cleaning that you can do. So if you've actually got a mask on, that's going to prevent germs from being put everywhere in that enclosed space. Three mm. essential important factors that all staff must wash and sanitise their hands prior to entering the site or a place of work, it's very important that you still adhere to that, apart from that, I think if you just, if you're just an element of common sense. Mm.
0: And continuing to do what we do naturally when we're just popping out to the shops or whatever that might, whatever journey we're doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I'm actually going down to the supermarket, I always make sure that I have hand sanitizer I leave the car and uh, as soon as I enter the supermarket and as soon as I come back in to the car, I just trying to have it put into place because I, I don't see these things going away overnight. I see these things being as part mm. of the new norm going forward. So they just no need to get used to it.
0: Yes, I agree. Are there any environmental issues that we also need to think about?
1: Well, um, I've I've been, for the last 15 years, I've been operating from home in some form of capacity and even I've been finding a struggle at times because of lockdown. And there's a lot of distractions at home for people who are not used to working remotely. And that could be children, that could be animals, music, TV even to try and find a quiet space at home for workers. it's, it's hard to find if we don't have the space so these distractions at home can be a very mm-hmm. important factor also as well if you're looking at single use ppe it could be the paper masks that people are wearing or they should be handled separately from other waste schemes to limit the contamination to risks. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they shouldn't be put in with the abnormal recycling.
0: You uh,
1: mm-hmm. also find in the workplace as well is that where people are wearing company clothing, that, should, that needs to be laundered a lot more often in accordance with the guidelines. And I would suggest that you wash any clothing that's sixty to the to the germs. Right. I've actually seen more people putting in more, more use of pills as an alternative to hand dryers and hand washing facilities It's already been well documented where hand dryers are used. We've we've got lots of COVID-19 spread. So if you can stop using hand dryers and use paper towels, even when you're using paper towels, they need to be put into, they need to be disposed of in a bag. And those bins or bags need to be emptied. At a regular interval, it's Mm -hmm. also very important as well to display public health posters and notices around the workplace as well. I would also encourage people to have a clean best policy at the end of the day. Mm.
0: Paper.
1: If you can do your job while minimizing the use of paper, use use uh use your IP a lot more. Send emails, use a conferencing facilities. Try and reduce the amount of paper that you use. And uh I think if you just become more aware of what you're doing in the workplace, from an environmental, it doesn't matter if it's in your house or in your office. Just be just be more aware of your surroundings and fruits. Awesome and more regularly. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Clark for some really helpful tips there. Um we obviously need to uh to keep up to date how can people contact you if they would like a bit more information?
1: Yeah, if you actually contact me on the app at cboassociates.co.uk and an email will go more than half of the support you need. You can also go to associates, and you can find out a little bit more of our services that we offer.
0: That's, that's really helpful. Excellent, thank you. If you would like further information on anything that we have covered on today's podcast, please contact me via my website or email me at info at Caroline Any resources mentioned in today's podcast will be uploaded to my website. Just search for Caroline Rochford Consulting.co.uk forward slash podcast where you will find recordings of these podcasts together with any reference links or documents. Please join me next time when I'll be continuing this journey through the HR related matters regarding the pandemic. In the meantime, continue to follow government and local guidelines and please stay safe and well. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.